This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. This is going to be my main portion of Scripture this morning. I'm going to be talking about idle words and my mouth. Matthew chapter 12, verse, starting in verse 36. And it says there, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Albert Barnes, a commentator, when he talks about this, when he talks about uh, this portion of Scripture, he says here, he's telling everyone, it's not just a, a few choice people, even though he does address the brood of vipers before this, but he says here, I tell you that everyone, all of us are going to give an account for everything that we say, every empty word. And Albert Barnes comments on this and he says that empty words or idle words, this literally means vain, thoughtless, useless words, a word that accomplishes no good. And here it means evidently wicked, in injurious, false, malicious, for such were the words which had been spoken. And so I want you this morning as we imagine, I think it's easy for us at times to think of our sins of our words as insignificant, but they are remembered forever. In fact, I would, it reminds me of this, this picture of God saying, I've got a record book of everything that you've said. Everything that you've ever said in vain and emptiness and even those cuss words that, that slip out otherwise. And I'm not just speaking to those words this morning because I think we can get ourselves caught up in the idea, oh, he's just talking about cussing. No, I'm not. I'm talking about what comes out of our mouth. Those empty words, those words that are meaningless, those words that are thoughtless, useless. He's talking about these words as how we're going to be judged. Do you realize that in your final judgment, your internal destiny can be determined by your words? You say, I thought I was justified by faith in Jesus Christ. You are, but you are justified because you spoke and you confessed that Jesus was Lord. You confessed something out of your mouth. Jesus Christ will manifest in your words so that you can literally be justified and condemned by your words. For your words are your tattletale. They tell what your heart is doing. I've seen people who can walk religiously outwardly. They don't covet. They don't commit adultery. They read the word, yet their tongue, they sin without regret. They are proud. They don't cuss, but they gossip, lie, and slander, and they don't even think a thing about it. But I want us this morning to remember all these words. I don't want you to think of them as insignificant. I want you to think about everything that we say, everything that we do. James says it like this, the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Think about this. He says that our tongue, though it's very small here, he says it can... It can defile our entire being, our entire body. It's like a fire that rages. Remember, we've seen fires that they, they destroy thousands and thousands of acres by just a st small spark. Similarly, our mouth can destroy our entire being because of what we say. We think of sins as the of the tongue as trivial when compared to the other sins. But Jesus and James make it clear that these sins are not insignificant. They defile our entire being. They tell of the condition of our heart. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 12, 34, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
He goes on to say in chapter 15, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. So this is what I would say about the tongue this morning. The tongue is the revealer of the heart. The tongue is the messenger of the heart. The tongue is ultimately the tattletale of your heart. The tongue dips down and brings out that which is within. Some have thought that this portion of Scripture that I'm talking about this morning in Matthew 12, it would have to be, because he's talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to these brood of vipers. But I think that I take exception with that this morning because he literally says everyone... Everyone is going to be judged by these words. And James thought it was so important that he mentions our tongue in every chapter of his book, especially the largest part in chapter 3. He was the, the father of the church of Jerusalem. He was the, the father of the, the new early church. And I want you to think this morning, here's this new church that's birthed in the book of Acts. And James, he's the father of, of the Jerusalem church and, and all the Jewish churches that were throughout that area. And he sees these things. When you look at the book of James, I don't want you to think of it as isolated. I want you to think about this is the birthing place of the church. And this is who he's addressing. So this morning, when you think of your tongue, I want you to think your heart. Last week we talked about the tongue as a gift. Loosing the tongue, but a tongue can only be used by God after it has been tamed by man. James 3, 7 says, For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has tamed, been tamed by human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Throughout the book of James, he talks about this manifested new life in Christ. But true believers manifest Christ in perseverance, in endurance, in humility, and in temptation, in obedience in Scripture, love for the needy, a pattern of good works, and a tongue that is bridled and tamed. James, he was the brother of Jesus. He watched Jesus grow up. He saw how Jesus lived. He had seen Jesus intimately. James never makes a boast, even when he's making this matter of the book. Of, in James, he never addresses himself as, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm the brother of Jesus. So as I'm writing this book, I have some credentials here. He doesn't boast that way. In fact, in the first part of his book, he says, James 1.1, 1, 1, James is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we use every opportunity we can to make sure everyone knows who we are associated with. You want to know my giftings and talents. You know I've been gifted in that particular area, in case you were wondering. We always like to let everybody know exactly what we can do, what we can accomplish. In case you didn't notice that I'm spiritual. I pray, I fast, I worship. The pastor plays attention to me. Don't you know who I am? A boasting tongue, James says. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Proverbs says it like this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what that day may bring. Let someone else praise you, and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Just in case you were wondering, I've done this, I've done that, I've accomplished these things. True transformation shows up in how we talk. How do we control this thing in between our lips? Why is it that the church, I say this morning, has the monopoly on boastful people? 
The mouth responds from the heart. It displays the heart. We have a monopoly in the, in the church, it seems, of, of broken hearts. The mouth responds to all these things within our heart. Our hurts, our pains, our insecurities, our inadequacies, our rejection. See, he's not blaming the tongue as this little thing in our mouth. He's blaming the heart which, which displays through our tongue what's going on down here. It dips down there and pulls out all this stuff. Today, and I've said this I don't know how many times, but we've been given a platform through Facebook and social media that even the most timid can find refuge in a place to vent their tongues. What's in their heart? I bring it to you this morning once again. Make it a caution that you don't let everything out of your heart. If you give everyone a piece of your mind, you will have nothing left. For James, faith and works complement each other. James says it will be visible, though, in how we speak. Nowhere is the union of faith and works more visible than in our speech. What a thought. The transformed life, a transformation that does not transform the tongue, does not transform our lives. In the Old Testament, the, the, the tongue is described as an arrow. In Jeremiah 9.8, the tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceit with its mouth. One speaks peace to his neighbor, but inwardly he sets an ambush for him. In Psalm 64.3, we have sharpened our tongue like a sword, like they aimed bitter speech as an arrow. As they say, the tongue is, is, an, arrow, is an arrow and not a knife is because the arrow can shoot at a distance, and so can our tongue. You don't even have to be right next to somebody to destroy them. We can say words and we can fire these arrows across the bow and we can destroy others with just those spoken words and not even be close to them. Every one of us is carrying a concealed weapon. It's our mouths. The Bible's view of the tongue. I'm going to read these off to you. The Bible refers directly and indirectly to a, a wicked tongue, a deceitful tongue, a lying tongue, a perverse tongue, a filthy tongue, a corrupt tongue, a bitter tongue, an angry tongue, a crafty tongue, a flattering tongue, a slanderous tongue, a gossiping tongue, a backbiting tongue, a blaspheming tongue, a foolish tongue, a boasting tongue, a murmuring tongue, a complaining tongue, and a cursing tongue, a contentious tongue, a sensual tongue, a vile tongue, a tail-bearing tongue, a whispering tongue, and an exaggerating tongue and an empty tongue. Did you find yourself in one of those this morning? See, it's no wonder that God put this cage of teeth to hold this thing in because it's a slippery place and it wants to get out and it wants to say everything that's in its heart. There are no restraints. As charismatics, we love the tongue because we talk about the life and death in the power of the tongue. That we can speak to things and things have to change because we said it. But the reality is, if you look at that scripture in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Powerful message. But the, the context of this, of what Solomon had observed is found in verse 19, just a couple verses before. A brother is wronged, uh, is wronged more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. He's talking about that in our relationships with one another, the tongue can destroy. 
The tongue is like this. It's, it's more unyielding than a fortified city. If we're not careful, we can cause this life and death because of what we say. I have within my mouth the power to bring life and death to relationships around me. Paul told young Timothy, this pastor, he said, be diligent in First, Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. I've been thinking about this empty words and empty chatter, even in our prayers, in our worship, in our praise, in our speaking to Him and about Him. Are those words full? Do they reflect my follow-through to Him? Or is it just empty chatter? Making a vow and not following through. An empty word. In our original verse this morning, we talked about get, there's in this accountability on the judgment day of our words. For by those words we will be either acquitted or condemned. But I want you to look at the context. Just a couple verses before this, Jesus says this. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What he's talking about is what's in you is going to come out of your mouth. What naturally is in your heart is going to come out. James says it like this, For, if, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. I love the idea of bridling this tongue. True mark of spirituality is reining it in, keeping control of it. See, many speak in tongues, but we got to get a hold of the tongue, jerking it back, not letting our emotions take the lead, because our emotions are our soul, and our spirit should be the one leading us. If the Holy Spirit gets in control of the most volatile, volatile and most potent member, the rest of us will be subdued. David said it like this. It's a psalm of David. He said in 39, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. It's a powerful instrument. It can tear down. It can tear down people. It can tear down churches. It can destroy relationships. It can wreck a marriage. It can devastate a family. It can rip up a nation. It can lead to quarreling. It can lead to murder and it can lead to war. On the other hand, it can build up. It can create love, enthusiasm, encouragement, comfort, peace, joy. Powerful, powerful thing, this tongue. See, why is the tongue so significant? It's because with it we confess that, the Je that Jesus is Lord. With it we cry out in our time of need. With it we confer upon Him all His glory that is due its name. And with it we create an atmosphere of praise. It can be such... A graceful, glorious, gratitude thing, this gift that He has given us of the tongue. If we get a hold of it and control it. James says it like this, look at your speech. Is it living faith? Is your tongue under control? 
There's this wrestling match with our tongue, and the tongue usually pins us to the mat, and it's this target area that the enemy constantly uses of our weakness. Pastor Mike up in Lake Isabella used to say it like this, angels are ready to carry out the words that I speak. And demons are waiting for the words that I speak to carry those things out. So in my mouth are these two avenues that I can take. I can speak with tongues of angels by the unction of the Holy Spirit and see God's power manifested. Or I can speak to the evil realm and watch demons run with it. I don't believe I've ever seen this spiritual aspect before. But I think this week I saw the gravity of it. I was... I met with a, a, a person I used to work with. And they, they wanted to tell me all the stuff that's going on. You know, they, they want to give you all the, the, the stuff that's happening. All the facts. And so I was listening. And then I was going to go meet with somebody else that afternoon. And as I was driving, I saw this picture. I have never seen it this clear. But it was like this present darkness. That, the, 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 the book that we know about where we see all the things that are happening spiritually underneath. And I saw that if I spoke those same things, I saw the enemy said, guess what? Go ahead, please do it. Because I will see that open door and I will be able to wreak havoc in your life. Do it, please. And I found myself almost in this weighing in the balance because I thought to myself, oh, I would love to tell him everything that's going on, everything I just heard. And the Holy Spirit said, check yourself. Check yourself. You know what? You can go ahead and do that. You go ahead and release all those demons in hell. You go ahead and release all that upon yourself. Go right ahead, Greg. I checked myself. See, it's like we keep putting our head in the mouth of a lion and expecting not to get bit. We talk about church leadership at times. We talk about our husbands and wives. You don't, you don't know what my husband's like. You don't know what my wife is, does. My kids, you should see how they act. You should see how this guy acts outside of church. See, we have all these things that we can run through and we can rehearse and we can say out of our mouth. But God's saying, listen, check yourself. Check your mouth. There's a practical application here. It's cooperation with the Spirit of God. God gives us a new spirit at birth. But our soul and our body are yet to be made new. I want you to get this this morning. Listen, at salvation, Christ comes in and He renews our spirit. But our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and our body that is yet to see that glorified state, which is coming, but in the midst of that, the soul hangs in the balance. You've seen it. We've seen people that have been in church for years, and they can speak so foully. Why is that? Because their soul is not regenerated yet. See, the Spirit wants to be in control and control what's going on in our lives. But what happens is, the soul, our mind, will, and emotions, which is not, which is not regenerated yet, it takes lead. And it starts bossing the body around. Go do this. Go do that. Have fun. Let your mouth go. Talk about this. Do these things. Gossip. Lie. See, that, that soul wants to be in the lead, but the Spirit of God is supposed to be the one that controls everything that's going on in this dynamic. 
But what we see in the church today is very soulish people. People who have this soul that has not seen that regeneration yet. So the first thing we can do, I'm going to give you a couple practical things you can do to bridle your tongue this morning. The first one is to pause. James 1.19 says, For my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The word slow there is bradus. And it means to take time and deliberate. Unhurried. It means to consider all the facts. How many times have we ran off out of the mouth? I'm so guilty of it. Before I've got all the facts. It's this moving forward slowly after we've considered all these things. I love the way the Amplified says it. It says it like this. Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, to be a careful, thoughtful listener. Slow to speak, a speaker of careful, chosen words. And slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. See, if I could just chew on these words a little longer before I spit them out. If I would just taste these words before I spit them out, I'd find out that, you know what, I probably don't want to get rid of them. The second thing is, wait. Wait is this many times our minds are already wandering ahead as we're listening to somebody talk. We have all the answers. We have all the solutions. My thoughts, are, of course, are more important than yours, so I have to tell you what I'm thinking. But see, waiting says this, why am I talking? Wait, why am I talking? Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 10, 19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. I was told by a pastor when I was a youth pastor who challenged me when I was very young. He says, don't tell everything you know at once. You don't have to give them everything that you understand about this topic in one message. Leave them in want. Not wanting to leave. See, this goes for every area in our life. When we get a chance to pray, don't pray everything that you have on your heart and mind. Pray just those bullets that God has put in front of you. This is my chance. You don't understand, Greg. I don't get a a lot of opportunity to pray. So when I do, I'm going to give everything I've got. Pray over what God places right in front of you. The person that's sitting in front of you with the conversation. Don't exhaust that person in front of you because you have a captive audience. Robert Morris, pastor of Gateway Church, he says it like this. And he was really trying to help me because I talked too much growing up. I talked all the time. I can remember the day after getting saved when the Lord said to me, Robert, the world will not stop orbiting if you're not talking. You don't have to be talking all the time. I can remember when God began to deal with me about this. I I, I remember on the top of my meeting notes, when I'd go into meetings, I would write, don't talk. (laughs) Be quiet. Listen, we just read a verse that says, when he shuts his lips. 
Shut your lips. Let me just say this. This is what the Bible's saying. Shut up! Please, just once, be quiet. Okay, when we talk about bridle our tongue, let me just give you an example. If you're, if you're new at this, you might have to do something like this. When someone says something, you might just have to go. And just grab your lips. Don't talk. Let me read you another verse. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Have you ever done that? Let me say it another way. Have you ever finished someone else's sentences? Yeah, you're, you're real quiet. Now I think you're just lying to me because you're not saying anything. Think about it. Someone says, hey, I, I, I know what we can do. I got a great idea. And before the person even finishes, we say, yeah, yeah, I, I got that same idea. And, and we share it. And then the person says, that's not what I was going to say. And we feel foolish. Or here's something else that happens a lot. Now, you're really going to be quiet about this one, many of you. Here's something that happens a lot. We'll be, Debbie and I will be at dinner with a couple. And the, one of them, the husband or the wife, will begin to tell a story. And the other one jumps in, interrupts, and starts telling the story also. And here's what happens. And then they say, oh, I'm sorry. And then the first one will say, no, no, go ahead. You tell it. But you, and you can see that it happens a lot. Do you finish the story that someone else starts? Okay, let me just speak to you very directly from the Bible. Shut up. <laughs> Learn to bridle your mouth. Um, I, I had such a problem with this when I was growing up. Talking too much, not listening. And uh, I can remember teachers, you know, would say, you know, he just doesn't listen in class. He talks all the time. And then one of our kids, I had to go to the teacher, parent-teacher meeting. One of our children, the, the teacher says, you know, uh, he just doesn't listen. He just talks and he talks and he just doesn't listen. And then she's explaining this to me and, and she just, she kind of went on and on. And I've always kind of had a problem, you know, staying focused, you know. And so she's going on and on. In a moment, she says, is there any history of ADD in your family? Of course, by then, I was watching some bird out the window or something. I, you know, I... Pause. Pause. Wait. And the next thing is to ponder. Think out of your heart before you say it. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Remember, we don't have that much to spare. Ponder in your heart before you speak your mind. Taste and chew on those words before you spit them out. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them, considered them, conferred them in her heart. Matthew fifteen nineteen. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. So let our converted spirits tell our renewing minds what to say. The next one is to purify. I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 6 when it says that Isaiah said, I, When I saw the Lord, He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. The earth shook and there was this great earthquake and there was all these magnificent things happening. And then you get down to around verse 5 and 6 and all of a sudden Isaiah says, all of a sudden he realized the first thing out of his mouth is this, I'm a man of unclean lips. I want you to think about that. 
All this is going on in front of him. He sees this glorious picture of God in front of him and what God's doing and and the presence of the Lord. And the first thing out of his mouth is, God, my mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips and I I live among a people of unclean lips. See, we need that. In fact, Isaiah 5, it says, in 6, 5, it says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. His mouth was the first thing that came to his mind in the, in the awe and presence of God. What have I said? The overwhelming fear of God will convict us of what we speak. Those empty words... Those empty songs we sing, those empty prayers that we pray, all those areas where God's saying, listen, I want you to speak it out of the fullness of your heart. Psalms 34, 12 says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. This is those who want to live a good long life. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I love the next verse because I believe that this is the heart's cry of me to us. And when we talk about words, is this very word, this right here. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their cry. See, there is this place where God loves and desires to hear the cries of His people when they are in line with their hearts. Proverbs 17.27 in the New Living Translation says, A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Have you ever had your husband or wife or someone tell you, you know, I I heard you on the phone and and you say, yeah, I was was just listening to what they were telling me. And, And then they say back, all I heard was you talking. See, there's many times in our life I believe that God says, listen, I want you to be a a good listener. Don't let just empty, vain words go out. But have this idea in your mind, I want to hear what the Lord is speaking. I want to hear what others are saying. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouths shut. They seem intelligent. My dad said it like this, better for, you to think, better, better for them to think you a fool than to open your mouth and leave no doubt. How many times have we done that? I know I've done it. I'm foolish. Let me just keep talking so you have confirmed everything. This morning, as we close, I've got one more quick video from Brother Morris. He said, God, I I can't control this area of my life. I need your help. Now, here's what I get out of this. I need this every day. Every day, I need to come into the presence of God to begin my day. And not just read a few verses or say a few prayers. God, take care of this and take care of this. I need to see the King. I need to see the Lord every day. And when I see God, I can confess to him my faults and my weaknesses. And God can touch my mouth that day. And then I can go out and help my society of unclean lips. I can help other people because every day I have an encounter with God. And God touches my mouth. And he cleanses me. Um, I share my testimony a lot. You've heard my testimony. 
Uh, I, I was saved in a motel room called Jake's Motel Room 12. Uh, but when I share my testimony, I don't share this part of it simply because of time. But in this message, you need to hear this, this part of it. I, I grew up, again, with a very unsanctified mouth. I talked a lot, talked all the time. And, um, and I, I would say things that offended people. And, and as, as I've learned and, and gone through inner healing and, and freedom ministry and things like that, I, I've learned that actually it was because of a root of, re, of rejection that I had in my life. And here's what I would do. I, I just figured that at some point you were going to reject me. And so what I would do is say something that would just go ahead and get it over with. I'd just cause you to reject me, you know, within five minutes of our relationship. That way it wouldn't hurt so much if it was five years later. And so that's, and I, so I just said things that were offensive. And so there was an evangelist that just kind of took me under his wing, saw the gift of God in me. He thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. Debbie thought I was saved. We were married at the time, you know. And uh, so everyone thought I was saved. I'd, I'd walk down the aisle when I was a kid, and I'd rededicated several times. I'd been baptized three times growing up. I mean, that ought to do it, you know. <laughs> and so I, I just, but I, I, I offended people all the time. And uh, so I'm with this guy, and he's the one, we're in the, he's, he's in this motel room, he was going to speak somewhere, and he said to me, well, you did it again. And I said, what do you mean I did it again? He said, well, you offended so-and-so. These were uh, some people I'd been with the week before. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, you really offended them. And I remember thinking, I thought I was on my best behavior that night. And it just kind of settled on me, I just can't do this. And then he made this statement to me. He said, you know, Robert... Maybe you've never laid your insecurity on the cross. And when he said it, I can't tell you the conviction, because the day before I had said to Debbie, I said, you know, I may not truly be saved. It was just so shocking. God was already dealing with me. And I, so I said to this guy, I, maybe I've never laid anything on the cross. You can go ahead and leave those down. We're going to have communion this morning. It's interesting to me as I was thinking about our mouths and part of the communion service is, is taking in Christ. So this morning is we, I'm going to have you just make your lay around and then we'll have communion together. But I want you to reflect on what he just said. I mean, I was, that's what something I was like, Lord, maybe we need to lay down all this stuff that's in us. Our hurt, our rejection, our insecurities. Put all this stuff down and, so that we can truly get into the place where God's redeemed us. This isn't a message that I'm preaching at you or to you. This message is to me. I've been thinking of this as I was thinking of these void, void, empty, vain words that sometimes come out of my mouth. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you're going to judge me or you're going to equip me by what I've said. Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to be judged. I want to be acquitted. I want my life to be reflective of the, the precious metals that you talk about, that gold is, is it's in the fire, it's refined. Instead, a lot of times my words look like stubble and hay and, and things that can be burned up. Lord, this morning I pray. God, I start with myself this morning and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash my mouth. <laughs> Wash my mouth out with your soap.
God, I want my words to be as Samuel's. The Bible says that his words never fell to the ground. God, I don't know who else joins me this morning with this message, but Lord, I pray that we could let all those things go. Let all those insecurities, the rejection, the things that maybe we haven't given to you, Lord, so that we can just simply be yours. Lord, the first part of that this morning is part of this communion, Lord, that we partake of you. And so, Lord, I thank you for your body that was broken. Lord, as I put it into my mouth, I pray this morning, cleanse my mouth with your body. God, let your word be in my mouth. Nothing else. No empty, empty chatter as you told, as Paul told Timothy. Lord, I just want you. Go ahead and partake. Lord, I said this last week, that when we come into service, it should be this blood drenched in Christ's blood service where it literally changes us and transforms us. Lord, that my soul would line up with my spirit and that my body would come into alignment with the spirit of God. Lord, to check this thing that's between my lips. Keep it in check for you, God. I thank you for your blood that was shed. Lord, as I partake of you today, I pray, God, that let this be a cleansing moment. Let this be the start of something new in all of us. That our words would no longer be empty, but, Lord, they would be filled with you.